2: Claudia, ¿cómo estás? Buen día.
0: Buen día. Oye, no te veo la cara. <risa> ahí está, ahí
2: está. Feliz viernes, ¿cómo estás?
0: Feliz viernes, ¿cómo están todos? Muy Buen bien. día.
2: Y finalmente salió el sol aquí, bueno, más o menos.
0: No, oye, pero los días están, han estado preciosos. He estado yendo a correr, este, en las mañanas, porque ya en la noche ya se pone así como que medio. Sí. Y,
2: caliente. y bueno, yo he estado. Tomando cervecitas sí, <risa> Excelente. Pues yo también. Sí, no, yo correr no. Pero bueno, feliz feliz viernes a todos. Bienvenidos a Latino Founder Hour, una hora más aquí con nuestra host Claudia Cárdenas y su servilleta Edgar Navas. Clica. De clica te lo facilita. este, Hoy tenemos un invitado, o sea, un, una super historia. Y le queremos dar la bienvenida a Alejandro García Amaya desde el Bay Area. Alejandro, how you doing? Good morning.
3: Good morning, guys. How's everyone
2: doing? Fantastic, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate you you know, coming to the show. It, it, it's our first um, a tech celebrity here in, in the show.
3: Tech <laughs> celebrity. It's an it's an it's an honor.
2: That's great. Thank you so much, man. Uh, you, you know, we were um, Alejandro's the CEO, the the co the founder of Mulu Labs. Oh, am I pronouncing it right, Mulu or Mulu?
3: No, you got
2: it, Mulu. Mulu Labs Labs. and founder also the AOT art, and it's one of the um, uh, it's one of the Latino tech leaders. uh, You know, just uh, it's an organization. And Alejandra, I just had a question for you. I I saw do you you have a couple of brothers also on the in the the top twenty list?
3: I do, I do. It's uh, I have two older brothers. Ricardo and
2: Andres. And the, okay, wow. You know, the, the trifecta of uh, the Latino tech <laughs> dynasty.
3: Each one with a with a different uh, each one in the tech world with a uh, their own company and in a different sector. So it's that, that's, is, uh, yeah, that's
2: what I saw, and
3: very helpful to leverage one another's experiences.
2: I bet. So, so tell us a little bit about your story. And we know you're in the in, in the Bay Area, but um, uh, I think you grew up somewhere else, didn't you?
3: Yeah. Who Who am I? That's uh, yeah. the question. Who's, Ale, who's Alejandro? <laughs> I, when I was reading, <laughs> um, when, oh, when I was reading everything, many
0: nights. When
3: I was reading about no, you, Do you want me to?
0: Yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I was born in New York and raised in Colombia, in um, in a town about, or in a city, about 40 minutes from the capital, from Bogota. Uh, it's a city called Cajica. And um, that's where I grew up until I was about eight years old. I have two older siblings. And uh we moved from Colombia right around the time when it was probably a couple months right after Pablo Escobar was uh was murdered. Oh wow. was, uh, was killed. And so it was uh it was a very violent time when we were there growing up. We grew up in a farm and um which I very much as you get older you, you just realize how how special and different and wonderful that experience was and, um, and yeah. And so we left, I was eight, eight. My brothers were each about three or four years apart from one another. And, uh, so we came to the U S we left because at the time, my father was appointed ambassador of Colombia to United Nations. And so the UN is, is located in New York city. The United Nations, and, uh, and so that's where we went. We went to New York and um, and started uh, pretty much a, a new chapter in our life in Westchester County in New York, uh, in a city called Scarsdale. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how, how deep and how far you want me to go with this. <laughs> uh, you but, know, uh, as far as you. Yeah, essence,
2: I mean that's that, that's already that, interesting. You know,
3: we went. We we grew up in uh in scarsdale and we each went to uh universities in the in the closest states so my ricardo my older brother went to nyu and then it's my middle brother went to villanova university in in pennsylvania and um and i went to boston university in boston so we did the whole boston new york pennsylvania, pennsylvania. wow uh, you guys covered out. the east coast
2: and
3: yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much um, and, um, and what else can I share? And so um, we had always been, from very early on, I'd always been surrounded by entrepreneurs in the family, beginning with my grandfather, uh, for my mom's, so my mom's father. He, um, he was a ahead of his time in a lot of the things he did. Uh, you know, I remember him talking about how water bottled water was going to be a huge business. And he was saying this, uh, this is stories from my mother at this point, but he was saying this back in the sixties and seventies. Um, and where people are like, why would people pay for water? Like, that's just crazy. Um, and so, so yeah, there were a whole lot of things. Like he did a, a whole, a number of ventures. and Then, uh, my mother, uh, was raised with that. So she was very much an entrepreneur and all the businesses that she did revolved around her kids. And so, um, you know, she started a, uh, is the equivalent of Montessori. Do you guys know Montessori? Like the school, the school system? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, The school system where it's, it's it's different in the way kids learn and, Mm -hmm. um, well, she, it was very similar to a Montessori she started um, in in Cajicá. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was like Numeritos or something. I don't know. I, I forgot what the name of it was. But it was very different in that the, the students, a lot of the time, was spent studying outside, uh, museums. It, there, it was a lot more of on hands experience rather than, like sitting in a classroom and, and, and listening to someone speak. So I had to do a lot more with like, what kind of questions do you have? And let's help you answer those questions and help you Mm -hmm. learn the process that can help you answer your own question. Um, and so, yeah, but she, she did a a number of different ventures and that's how we grew up. We grew up feeling like that was a normal thing that you could, (laughs) you could literally have an idea, and go for it. And, and that's what everyone did, right? Yeah. Uh, because most of the people in our life that surrounded us, that's, that's what they were doing. Um, and from my father's side, well, he, he was from the diplomatic world and he was actually an academic. So he was a professor. Um, and, um, he ended up, uh, being one of the deans for a, um, what's, what's the school there? It's it's a very oh what's the name of the college. But anyways, he he helped start like the the department of uh foreign relations and um and he's someone that taught us or not taught us but through just being with him, we we love learning about history. And um and as you grow older I guess all these things combined lead to to um to developing a type of curious mind and and loving to you know, having the urge to want to learn new things and see how things work and, um, and how things worked in the past and, you know, what countries did, how co- governments, you know, administered, ha- had different things with, uh, you know, within their societies. And so, yeah, so I guess all those things kind of, the the more I get to reflect back in time and talk about it with my brothers, the more it kind of makes sense why we do what we do now. Um, so so, so I, yeah. Alejandro, so, uh,
0: I have a question for you. So uh, growing up, you were like you said there was like a re- this really small town in in Colombia, and uh, uh-huh. you grew up like your mom was the one that it was just like. Uh, pushing you into the art or like how everything started for you to being able to, to be where you are. Right? And then, then you were mentioning something right yeah. now that, uh, because like I was reading and then I, I was going through the the website that you have. So is it, is it your mom that, uh, gave you the, the idea? The inspiration. The inspiration. Absolutely. Yes. How, how that started?
3: Yeah. Sure. Um, so even when there were no means, and you know we we there wasn't a lot of money, my mother and and always loved surrounding herself with art, and she got that from her parents, and um, so she would always joke around with friends when she said, literally, the first time we got an apartment, the first thing that was in the we didn't even have a sofa, uh, you know, we spend the money on getting an artwork on the wall, um, mm. and so that was always very important to her aesthetics, you know, uh, uh, how the power of visuals and surrounding yourself uh, with certain colors and, and energy. And, um, and so art has always been very much a part of her life. Obviously growing up and being with my mother, we, we, we kind of felt that was a normal thing too, that, you know, the, the house, it was exciting for us to go with our mother and, uh, and go into a market and talk with artists and see what they, you know, what they created and pick the ones we like and then have those works, you know, in our, in our bedrooms, right? And that was growing up. It wasn't until, um, so let's fast forward. I went to Boston University. I graduated in 2007 and that was when the financial, uh, and That summer of 2007 was when we started hearing about what was happening with the uh, mortgages and, uh, you know, our, pretty much our class graduated into like what would become a horrific uh, <laughs> year for the economy. And everyone's excited to like get a job and people that had jobs for 10 years like didn't have jobs anymore. Uh, so that was a really interesting time to kind of uh, – come out of school. But that, um, when that happened, I, uh, at that moment I actually had a company called, um, agent partners. I started this company called agent partners, which had to do with advisory services, connecting private equity funds that, uh, with, uh, companies, you know, privately owned companies that they could that that fit their portfolio and that they would invest in. And and that allowed me to actually, when I started that company, all this time since I came to to New York when I left Colombia, I had not gone back to Colombia. Wow, so it must wow have okay. been, that's crazy. Uh, I don't know how many years, whatever it is, that must have been 21, 22 at that stage, and I left and I was and eight. My math is horrific, but but anyways, it, I hadn't gone back to Colombia, and I'll tie this into how this actually came with art. Um, we. Uh, because of this company, I, I got one of my best friend's father had a private equity fund and he was the one that actually, I started the company because he brought it up to me. He knew our family. Uh, he was beginning to, he wanted to invest uh, or look for opportunities in South America. He knew we were from Colombia. He knew we had pretty good contact and relationships. And, um, and so he, he told me like, do you know what we do? Do you know what a private equity fund does? And it was because of that, that I got the idea of like, oh, maybe I, I, I went back to Colombia to help that front out and it was going back, reconnecting with my family, uh, with my roots. Um, it, it was a really incredible experience. I spent about six months back in Colombia after, you know, after all that time. And, um, and I, it kind of woke up this feeling of the importance of culture, uh, the importance of, of, um, of having different perspectives and, and learning from other people's experiences and perspectives and traditions and customs, right? All the things that kind of fall within culture. And um, when I came back from Colombia, I kind of had that in my, it, it was in my blood, that, that whole experience of, in terms of like, oh, what can we do to raise culture awareness? At that time, when I came back to the States from that venture, my mother had already, for a number of years, just as a hobby, um, been selling artworks, uh, mostly to just friends. So people that would come to the house would fall in love with our artwork, and they'd say, oh, who is this? And my mom would just share how she got the artwork, oh, well, I was in Morocco, and I met this artist, and uh, you know he's this incredible gymnast, and, but he found out that he did. And she would just share her experience and her story. And immediately her friends would say, you know, please, can you, you know, does he does he or she have more artwork? And she began doing that mostly out of an accident and as a hobby. And um, so she was doing that. I came back from this venture. I was helping her out in terms of, uh, yeah, let's go, you know, can you come with me? I'm going to go to my friend's house. I have a bunch of artwork that she wants to see. And I would go with her. And um, and the more I did it, the more I fell in love, one, with just having the opportunity to be with my mother and, and work together. And two, that um, I realized that art was a really powerful medium to be able to share stories with people uh, about the artists. And, and not just the artist, but you know, their perspective and, and, and talk about their culture. And because I had had this experience beforehand in Colombia, where that, that was important to me. I, um, I made a transition and, and with my mother, we said, all right, maybe we can like, l- let me put my, what I studied in school. Cause I, I studied business and, and majored in entrepreneurship. I'm like, let me see if I can put that to work. And, and, you know, I would love for us to kind of take this, and, and do something with it. And that's when together uh, we came up with a program that um, had to do with raising culture awareness and celebrating diversity through the arts. And, and we began reaching out to companies um, and it literally, that's how it is. And that's one of the things, I don't know how deep you want to get into like when, when you have an idea and how to execute it, but it was that idea. I remember uh, had that idea that same day wrote a bunch of emails like created the program of what I feel the program could look like you know wrote down wrote it down um, created a bunch of emails found the contact information I went to companies I wanted to see how I can get these stories and these artworks inside companies and because the first thought was where can we where do we have big audiences and so I said Oh, okay big audiences uh, you know, these big companies have a lot of employees working for them. And if they give us a mic, that's probably a cool opportunity to be able to talk about culture. Um, so that's when I thought about companies. And then we thought, who are the people responsible? Who, who, who cares inside these companies about uh, cultures? And and that's when I realized that there was this title that, that had to do with diversity and inclusion, and, and that's a role now that is much more prevalent. But in that time, it was still kind of very new. A lot of, um, you know, that title, someone for their full-time job to just be focused on diversity and inclusion for a company, that, that wasn't that common. And so I found that title. Then I found who else in all these different companies had that title. I wrote them an email explaining our, our program. And I say I must have written twenty emails and um, sent them out. And from the twenty, about eighteen wanted to meet. Oh wow! Um, so so that's a pretty good. So that's when. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah, good turnout. Ri- yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's when we kind of said to ourselves, "Oh, okay, I think there's something here." Um, and uh, and we had those conversations and, and we spoke with them. We told them about the program. Uh, their questions helped guide us. In, in structuring what the program could evolve into and look like. And, um, and that's how, and so what we began doing was we, we hosted private art exhibitions for inside these companies, and the companies would host us, and we would go in there and for, let's say, Hispanic Heritage Month, um, which is a time where uh, a lot of people celebrate, especially within the corporations, um, as a way to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month, we would bring this private art exhibition, and I would go up there and actually talk about uh, share a couple stories of who the artists are, you know, where uh, where they were raised, what inspired them to create the work that people are looking at right now, and and give a little bit of history about uh, like the country, the community, the traditions, the customs, the co- you know, the culture the language and um, and kind of wrap it up into this whole explain a little bit about art and at the same time explaining a little bit about the artists and where they're from. And, um, and people really enjoyed it and people, uh, uh, and, and it was uh, from then on doing those exhibitions that we started reaching out to other companies. And at the same time, we would have the diversity and inclusion uh, person introduce us to other diversity and inclusion people that they're friends with and say like, hey, I spoke with so-and-so, we love, and told them about your program. And, and that's pretty much how it spread. And then we, we uh, maybe the second year, we were already up with 50 Fortune 500 clients. Oh, wow. And by the third year, it was like 80. And, and, uh, and this was know, AOT just, art? Yep. And that was the, the birth of A AOTA, A- which oh, A- Oda. stood for artists. Yeah, AOTA. And it stood for, we, we that was the acronym, but it actually stood for Artists of the Americas. Because um. we originally began with sharing the stories of artists from the Americas. A- Oda. But as the program expanded, uh, and people loved it, we said, oh, this is great. Let's, let's share and talk about like, okay, there's Asian American month. And so let's, Mm. let's bring in artists that are from those communities and let's have them, you know, display their works. And so, uh, and that just kept spreading, right. African American month, Asian, uh, uh, Asian Pacific and, uh, LGBT community. Um, so it just, it, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. It was such a learning experience for us because, um, yes. And that's one of the things I love most is that we got to meet these artists. We got to pick the works that we loved, and then we got to share those artist stories with everyone.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
3: so that was a really fun time, and we got to travel all over. and And that was very much a, a very, you know, small business. Uh, my mother and I, and and like a very small team, and um, you know, with our vendors and. And we did that, and as it grew, then um, we Alejandro. started thinking of like what we can do. Yep. Yes,
0: so it's it's amazing. Uh, we're gonna go into our ad in a little bit, uh, but uh, I just wanted to um, just just uh, to stop and and then recap what you just said. It's, it's amazing how you uh, your mom just started by accident, and then you're kind of bringing like the next model into that next scale of uh, the importance of culture, learning from others, people experiences, and, and culture awareness. Where uh, we are in in a, in a Country where uh, we need to um, expose that, and uh, we need to mm-hmm. share our stories. We need to uh, know how people are doing these things, and then and then kind of like you started something. You started a need, and and then you are covering that into into this like uh, uh, culture awareness um, population right here. Yep. That exactly here in in the US. So. Uh, I'm gonna go to an ad, and uh, we're gonna come back, and then you can uh, tell us more about uh, the the experience and and the your trajectory. Hold on, one second. Sure. So, um, today's episode is uh, presented by Latino Founder Hour. It's uh, is brought to you and uh, by Publis, is Publ- publicized 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 and the. A deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize has broken down PR into modular setup, keeping quality, high simplicity charges for the uh, targeted PR you require. Check them out at publicize.com and tell them that Claudia and Edgar sent you. Okay, so...
2: Thanks for our new sponsor, but uh, so yeah, Alejandro, what was it um, after you know, a a a order? Aorta.
3: Yep.
2: Aorta. How do you uh, convert that model into a sustainable? How, how, where do you go from from there to like, okay, I, I need to scale that's a it.
3: Great question.
2: Yeah. How, how, how yep. I need to take that next step. So you already validated your product. You had customers. You had so some we, traction. And what's next? You know, how do I launch it into something even bigger?
3: Yep. So that's one of the things we came across, and it also had to do with. How do you scale presentations? Uh, that was a big one, right? Especially when all the people, uh, we we tried bringing so that artists would do the presentation, but then we would get feedback from people that say like, oh, we would love to do it when you do it, right? And so all of a sudden it becomes that problem of like, okay, this is a great business, but the business relies on me and uh yeah. and so that's that's very difficult so what happened was that so just to give some um a breakdown of this this company aota and the program still goes on still strong i my mother oh, aota evolved into what became what is now intermines which is and i'll i'll share this answers your question about scalability but uh aota uh Evolved into Intermind, and Intermind is a marketplace that connects attraction centers with interactive attractions. Interactive attractions are uh, are artworks that are used with uh, new technology, right? So, like, how can VR? How can you create an, an, an immersive experience for somebody through VR? And so, it it it, it, it has to do with uh interactive attractions are very creative engineers let's put it that way it's it's people that can take a technology add some creativity to it a, a narrative to it and then create an immersive experience for somebody so as an example if you have you guys ever been by like a shopping center or I don't know somewhere in, near the community where there's like a projector that hits a building and converts that building into like a moving, tree or a moving have you guys ever seen that before?
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: So that's 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 a form of interactive attraction. And so to your point about uh and now my, my mother and 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 runs that company. I stepped away from that company a number of months uh probably a year ago now. Um but I'll explain to your question uh about scalability we realized that the Yoda model could not work long-term. And so we said, what, what can work long-term? And at that point we both were loving and we going into like the interactive art world um, where, what I mentioned, artists were incorporating technology into their artworks and, and creating a whole new, like a, a third dimensional experience, an immersive experience for the viewer. And we we were really falling in love with that, and that's when we um, we gave it a shot. We came up with the idea of uh, speaking to a shopping center. We reached out to a shopping center, same model, same way I did originally with AOTA, We did with AODA, which was write an email. We wrote an email to a shop, a shopping center. We always, uh, you know, that was near near us. Wrote an email to the general manager of the shopping center. We said, hey, look. Um, if you're interested in increasing traffic and improving, um, the experience of your shoppers and distinguishing yourself from other malls, uh, we have some interactive art installations that, uh, that could do that for you. Right. And then it turns out that they were interested and they, they would answer back and say, what do you mean? Let's talk. And we would share with them not only just artworks that were uh, traditional in the sense that they were on canvas but we would begin in showing them um, like uh, virtual um, augmented reality or virtual reality and, and we began kind of expanding the definition of what art meant to us it wasn't just something on a canvas but it was how about creating this immersive experience through technology and and incorporating, like creativity in this whole process. And so, um, that's when we began selling these interactive art installations to shopping centers. And then that led to us saying, okay, how can we actually scale this? And instead of us, um, how about we're the middle person, right? Like it, it turns out that there's marketing general managers and marketing directors at malls that care about making their mall unique and uh, And they usually have a certain budget that they have to spend, uh, whether it's five thousand, ten thousand, twenty, fifteen thousand, whatever it is. They have a budget and and they usually already have an idea of what they want to do in certain times of the month. They just don't know what unique things are out there to bring. Uh, that was the problem. They would usually the way general managers brought things to a mall is they would talk with like their cousin or whoever, you know, the people around them, and they'll say, oh, I saw something cool that does this. Like, let's talk to them and see if they can do it. So what we ended up doing, realizing that 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 was a big problem for general managers and marketing directors of these malls, we created a marketplace where these general managers, marketing directors, they can go into Co. they go in our private portal, um, and once they're in our portal, they can tell us what their budget is, what space they have available, one month they're thinking of hosting an event, and if they have a particular theme in mind. And with a press of a button, immediately they get a curation of interactive art installations that fall and that match you know, their budget, their space, their theme, their mm-hmm. time. So it just improved the curation process and it connected two people that were having a hard time finding one another. And so, for the interactive artists, it it made it easier for them to actually spread focus on what they love doing, which is creating new work, instead of uh, spending a lot of time in sales and marketing of their work that they're usually not that great at. And this uh, is and so uh-huh. and this is with Interminds, right? And that's with Interminds. and and um, and that. Uh, so we started that and that again the same thing it started with a few shopping centers and um, and the thing with the shopping center world is there's there's uh, retail developers property developers so they're usually the ones uh, like DDR Westfield these are there are some public companies that own a lot of malls that's, and what happened amazing. was we would yeah we would do things with a couple malls and then they went really great and then the general managers within that, you know, within that retail development company that owns other malls, they would hear about us. They would reach out to us. And eventually we began talking to the corporate side, like the actual developers. And they would say to us, okay, we have a new mall that's taking, that's going to be opening in the next three months. And we want this big grand opening. This is our budget. This is blah, blah, blah. What can you guys do? And, um, and that's how it began. And so we signed up, uh, uh, if not, probably like the, the top five biggest property developers, retail property developers, and uh, and we began doing that everywhere, not just in the U.S. but uh, a- around the world, and um, and, and, and about
0: for, for did, let me yep. just pass right there. So for our listeners, uh, I just want to um, make sure that they understand. So this is this is after uh, Ayota. This is after Mulu. And then, then Intermind
3: started and then... Start- no, no. This is AOTA. Uh-huh. AOTA evolved into Intermind. So into we Intermind. We still have that program. Uh-huh. It, it, okay. it stands for Interactive Minds. But AOTA evolved into Intermind. You can call it a subsidiary of interminds And we still have that program that raises cultural awareness uh, through our in corporations. And Intermind this- is the marketplace that connects attraction centers to interactive attractions. So... Okay. Malls, aquariums, yeah. zoos, attra- you know, family attractions. Uh, so it's a much bigger market. Uh, and then Mulu is something that, uh, the past year, so we were doing that. Um, all of this, by the way, is like eight years in the making, right? So it yeah. didn't happen from, from day one. Uh, and, uh, it was not until about a year ago that, um, I wanted to, I wanted to do something different. And at that time, my brother, my older brother, Ricardo, he left New York, came to San Francisco. He had uh, literally an an idea solving a problem. And that's when he got involved in the tech world in, in Silicon Valley. And, um, he got accepted to Y Combinator. I don't know if you guys know Y Combinator, but for the viewers, um, Y Combinator is an early seed stage fund, uh, also known as Accelerator. In essence, it's a number of people uh, that have sold their companies. It was created by, by former founders of companies that sold their companies, made, made a lot of money, and decided to create this fund where they would invest in the next generation of founders that were solving really big problems. And, uh, and they created Y Combinator. This was in 2005, uh, when that fund cr- was created. And, um, and they end up, now Y Combinator, it's, it's extremely hard to get into. It's the, it's, uh, I heard it's like the combination of, uh, it's harder to get into than if you combine Harvard, getting into Harvard and the Navy SEALs together. It's like, uh, oh, wow. extremely small percentage. And you have now that they're, uh, Y Combinator, these founders uh invested in airbnb dropbox um, uh, I mean a whole list of companies uh, where, where are some of the companies yeah airbnb dropbox um stripe um, over twenty companies that are now valued over a billion dollars. I think their portfolio now is eighty billion oh
2: my in goodness. value okay
3: and um and what they do is they invest hundred and twenty thousand dollars. And, um, and get 7% of your equity. And they, they give you office space. But in, in essence, the most important part is their network. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you get to speak with people that have been there, that have been, built businesses. So my brother got accepted to Y Combinator, his company. And the three partners that brought him in Um, you know, one, uh, was, uh, was the founder. Well, one is now currently the president of Y Combinator, uh, Michael Siebel. Um, and another sold, I think it was Justin TV. Uh, he founded Justin TV, sold it for a billion to, uh, I forgot who it was. So like, imagine having access to three people that like the lowest they sold their company was for like half a billion, you know, um, and those are the people that you can call and talk to and say, look, I'm facing this problem. What did you guys do? You know, like, what? What? any suggestions. And so that's the part that's really powerful about Y Combinator. And then on top of that, after three months of kind of working out what your product is and what problem you're solving, um, they put you in front of, they call it demo night, and they put you in front of, uh, which is now three nights, but they put you in front of like the most renowned, respected investors, and uh, and it's like a movie, the experience. You know, you go there, you present investors, use an app that Y Combinator created where they press a button that pretty much says like how much they're gonna invest and they're interested. And uh, my brother ended up raising like 2.5 million from, from in one night, you know, from wow. going through Y Combinator. Uh, so it's a crazy experience so anyways my brother went through that and obviously I I saw all of it and 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 it was being inspired by what he did and having him say you got to be here you got to come to Silicon Valley uh that I took a trip I at that time my my girlfriend now my wife we came here we fell in love with San Francisco and we said okay let's let's kind of build the life here. And, uh, and so we moved from New York to San Francisco and, um, and I started Mulu and, uh, which is Mulu labs. And in essence it's now, um, it's, it's an investor backed team and we, we develop products that make shared experiences and social booking fun and easy. And so we have about three different products right now that we're testing. Um, and um, and that's part of the whole process of, of kind of the customer discovery and uh, everyone and that has an idea and starting, exactly, and validation. You know, you, 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 everyone is a scientist. That's why I call it Mulu Labs and I call our team, we're just scientists, because you have a hypothesis and you wanna, and you want to prove it or disprove it. Most likely try and disprove it, and if it sticks, then you have something really good. Um, and, uh, and so that's what we're, that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're concentrated the three products. Um, two of them, one is called event pal. And, um, what that does is it helps event goers find like-minded people to experience events with, uh, split costs and access discounts. So I I don't know if you guys, do you guys go to usually to like, uh, listen to a band or go to some form of, like, festival. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) what what we're doing is uh, it turns out that a lot of people love a certain thing, whether it's music, whether it's, like, whatever it is, cycling, whatever it is. And usually there's a lot of communities that are out there that have some form of event. And a lot of times it's hard to find friends, your own group of friends, who want to come with you, whether it's because it's not the right timing or whether it's because they don't care. (laughs) <laughs> um and so we um with event Pal, the whole point of event Pal is that you um you go on our platform and you tell us what event you're interested in so like oh i want to go and see shakira right like i want to see shakira in june she's playing here or wherever in, in oregon in portland she's playing uh in portland shakira a I'm, maybe people know her. I don't know. Oh, uh, or maybe everybody knows her. her. Everybody knows how her. How and if they, they oh, don't, okay. they live and under I'll a cave. Say, maybe <laughs> I'm showing how, like, I'm, I'm getting older and I'm using, like, a, an example that people are like, what the? A, <laughs> Colombian, um, but, <laughs> a <laughs>
0: Colombian artist. Yeah,
3: exactly. Uh, but, anyways, so, like, you want to see Shakira in June and uh, you go on our platform, you tell us, you want to see Shakira. What time, like, where, when is it? What month? what city she's playing in. And that's it. We just ask that. We ask how old you are and we match you with somebody that also wants to she's Sakura also is lives in the same community and would love to go together. So it's kind of like connecting people that have dual interests
2: oh, really at, cool. to
3: share and experience Super together. Enough. And at the same time, the really cool part about that is that the more you can connect more people that have dual experiences, the more, there's power in groups. And so, if, if you go on an EventPal and let's say we connect you with three people that you love and you're like, all right, let's do this, let's all go together, all of a sudden now you can access discounts for wow. those tickets. Cool. That's um, and so,
2: l- l- uh-huh? Alejandro, let me make a pause just to do our final, um, our second uh, sponsor. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, Pork bun bon domains, websites and internet commerce for the rest of us. Please don't be a pig. ParkBone, where you can get website domains for your business or personal brand with the lowest prices and amazing free services. Everybody's heard of .com, .net, .org. But do you know you can get a domain name that matches what your startup does? If you are a design entrepreneur, you could get a .dot design domain name. Use your imagination and contact them at porkmoncom radio. But yeah, no, no, uh, sorry, Alejandro. Thanks for um no, for no. the like, And uh, you great. know, so how I just want to know like really quickly because we got about ten minutes in, into and in, for sure, sure, sure. Okay. like. That transition from you know East Coast to West Coast, where you're in Silicon Valley, and now you're you know you, you're already proven you know concept, and it's evolving, and now you're in front of you know the biggest investors and you know the the biggest environment for um, cultivating a, a startups. How, how was that transition? How you know how did how did that help you professionally in what you're doing right now?
3: Well, you know going back to my youth and moving from one country to another and not being able to speak a language and just figuring it out. That helps a lot. <laughs> um, I, you know, so, so anytime moves are in place and one of the things I always share with my cousins, my little cousins there, uh, I always tell them get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And the minute you get to do that, uh, the 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 more power you have, um, and so you know I, we were lucky enough that when we moved here to Silicon Valley, my brother was already here with my sister in law, so it wasn't that we didn't have anyone around us. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like what makes it easier, uh, truthfully, my life partner, you know, my wife Robin. Uh, my brother, my sister-in-law, just having people that love you, that support you um, makes things a lot easier and lets you realize that you're not crazy, that you can pursue an idea. Um, And, and by the way, you know, everyone has their own experiences. I get that I'm really fortunate to be in the position to be able to do this and you know, and and have I already had some financial means to be able to do this move, right? Um, the the what what I always try and tell though, um, it is getting easier for people. I'm talking about like just a minority community as a whole that might not come from a background where you have financial stability. Um, there are now. There's no better time than now to actually test an idea very mm-hmm. cheaply uh, without having to invest a lot of time while keeping the job that you have now. Um, there are strategies for that. And I know that we only have very little time, but what I would what suggest, and I don't know if we can make this available, but when, when, when I came across your podcast, it actually forced me to write down because I want to share this stuff because it's been very helpful to me it actually forced me to write down a lot of the, like, my favorite, you know, what I do on a daily basis and what helps me, uh, both information that that I acquire, so, like, podcasts that I listen to, YouTube channels that I listen to. Um, If there's one thing that I I can suggest right now for people to do, and I I don't know, you let me know if there's a way that you can actually put these links out there for people to have access to. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I'd I'd suggest um, it's called Com. So Sam Oldman was the former president of Y Combinator. And he actually, uh, as part of the program, Y Combinator, he actually did about eight episodes, each about an hour long video recorded. You can also listen to it in an audio form um, where they go from beginning to end They highlight every process of what it takes to uh, establish a successful startup. And the people they bring in are people like the founders of Stripe or, you know, they bring people that have taken an idea from zero and now have taken it to a company that is valued at 10 billion, right? And those are the only people that get to actually talk and come in. And this was a class done in Stanford where they recorded this, but it's available. It's free. You can go to the, it's startupclass.samaltman.com, and and listen to those episodes because he gives some really, and it, all this stuff is is it's plain and you know it's 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 not to it's it, it's just so simple in in terms of like okay, you know what it's kind of the fundamentals right like what is the problem that you're looking to solve, how many people or businesses have that problem now and could have it in the future? Like, how are you going to solve that problem? You know, how do you make money from that problem? And and then based on those answers, they take you through, you know, all a lot of other questions that you should be asking yourself to help guide you through this very chaotic process. That is like having an idea and converting it into something tangible. And um, so I would totally recommend that if, if you're, uh, if you're a business owner, whether, whether it's a product or a service, whatever the case might be, I would 100% suggest just
0: I agree. viewing this. Even yes. if you already
3: have a business and your business has mm-hmm. been going on for 10 years or whatever it is, just, just listen to those episodes because they are very empowering inspiring.
0: Alejandro. Yes. So uh, now uh, we're about to finish right here in five minutes, but uh, I just wanted to wrap up with uh, with something you said very important. Uh, I work for Hispanic Chamber uh, here in Portland. So uh, building building. a business, it, it takes time, and it takes uh, it is 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 science basically. It's, it's just like uh, we need to we need to take the time and then sit down and then uh, look for advisors and then uh, look for mentorship. I always mm. uh, tell uh, my clients to start building the plan and then look at their numbers. And then one very important thing that you said is uh, talking about this uh, white uh, combinator. Uh, it's kind of like an incubator where there is a lot of people with these experiences that are going to help you uh, to meet uh, your your goal and then uh, to start networking that is really important because after you have that all, all that uh, business plan figured out, you need to find out the people that are going to help you to to get that next step and those connections. and that's something that uh, definitely I'll, I'll take that from you and. And then can you talk a little bit about that, too?
3: Yeah, Claudia, I was just going to say, if I can add on to that, uh, one of the biggest differences I've come across is that for us, for minorities, uh, because not all of us came from a background where it's third generation and and they already are more financially savvy in terms of, like, where to keep your money, how to invest your money, and all those things, um, a lot of times I see the... That many, uh, many people think that the only route to finance an idea is by getting a loan. And I would suggest, and, 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 and a loan is great, don't get me wrong, but getting loans from banks and then if the idea doesn't work out, having to pay interest on that loan and all those things, it, it, it can be very, it can be, very dangerous. And so one of the things I suggest is there are a lot of accelerators, just like Y Combinator. These are funds created by people that all they're looking for is someone that has a really good idea that is solving a really big problem and that has put in their research and time and, and, and has convinced other very talented people to join them in a team. To tackle this problem, to execute on the vision,
2: yeah,
3: to execute on the vision, and and the way it works is that they give you one hundred and twenty thousand dollars to get you started. They grab seventy percent equity of of this new entity that you're creating, whatever you want to call it. But you're not paying. If something bad happens, if it never goes through, nothing happens to you. You don't have to pay back. You don't have to pay interest on what you Mm -hmm. lost, and so. One of the things that I want to make clear is that check wherever you live, look for what they're called accelerators. They're also called early stage seed funds. Check what is out there because it might already be out there. It might be even in your own neighborhood that you have this type of program. And, and if you have an idea or you already have a business that is bringing in revenue and you want to take it to a whole nother level, uh, and, you uh, you know, uh, take it to a bigger market or whatever the case might be, go, go and, and present it to, you know, meet, meet with these people in these communities because they have been there. They've done that. They've taken it very far. Uh, definitely do your due diligence on who are these people that created the funds. Y Combinator, you know, Paul Graham, the co-founder, very renowned, well-known investor, uh, you know, um, so just do your research, but. It's out there. It's accessible. The thing that really blocks most of us, Latinos, uh, whatever it is, the African-American community, where minorities as a whole is, it's just, we don't know it's out there. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's, like, yes. it, it's like a blockage of information. And so that's why I love what, you, you know, you Claudia and Edgar are doing with your Latino Founder Hour. It's, it's amazing to, you know, what you guys are doing are spreading the word, and, and that is so important, and it's so valuable, and it really could change lives. So, well, thank, thank you, you, guys. Thanks a lot, yes. Alejandro,
2: and we're going to continue the fight, not only in this front, I mean, organizing events, and, you know, also by, like you, by um, by example, you know, you know, we, we I'm, a, I'm a co-founder of one of, um, a startup here, you know, we do with social entrepreneurship, uh, it's going well, and what we want to do is not only be financially okay, but Inspire others to say, hey, you know, these guys did it. They're not m- more different than I do. They're, they're brown. They're, you know, quite capable. Uh, and But, you know, the only thing that they did is just went out and started knocking on doors and they fell down. Doors were closed. Other doors open. So you never, you know, you're persistent. And, you, you know, when people tell you that's impossible, you won't, you, you, you that's not, that's not going to happen. And you go out and you do it. So mm-hmm. with that and, in mind, thinking, I wanna- yeah, go ahead.
3: Oh, can I say one more thing? Uh, can I just want to let everyone know that if you are out there and you have an idea and whatever it is and you're just looking for some form of advice and help or guidance, feel free to, to reach out to me. Um, it's Alejandro at Mulu.io, Alejandro at Mulu.io. It's something that I'm really passionate about. Uh, little by little, we've developed a pretty strong Latino founder network here in Silicon Valley. And... Um, and yeah, so you know Thank there you. are people out there that want to help, and uh, and so definitely know, we're gonna
0: keep you in to- uh, in touch with you.
2: Thank you, Alejandro, so much. appreciate it. You know, taking the time to, of your busy schedule and really appreciate it. Now, coming out up next and Startup the Network is the Out Entrepreneur with our host, Rhodes Perry. Rhodes Talks to LGBTQ entrepreneurs and founders from around the world. Alejandro, thank you so much. Claudia, thank you for thank coming. Thank you, again. Happy Friday. Happy Friday Thank to you. Everybody. And look forward to connect with you more on, on these initiatives, Alejandro.
3: Absolutely. Thank you very much. Take thank care. Weekend.
1: Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast with your hosts, Edgar Navas, founder of Clica, and Claudia Cardinas
0: El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de Netspace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland.
1: Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Bozolet.
0: Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main.
1: Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan.
0: Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes.
1: Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster.
0: Tema de música, Funning and Sunning de Kevin MacLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo de Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero.